0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American Patriots and Minutemen to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house after a brief vacation. A new month here, Monday, June 1st. We had the month of April, which was the reign of terror, where we lost our liberty. May, we had Freedom Flowers, where we fought back against a tyranny. In June, now we have the anarchy. Look, those of you who listen to this show know that you guys are ahead of the curve. Um, we called it from day one that we no longer have a legitimate government. We have the worst mixture of tyranny and anarchy, where it's tyranny for us and anarchy for the most violent beasts. Criminals and terrorists. So we're like China now where we lock people down, still destroy their lives, their businesses, but not like China in the sense where we don't go after criminals. We give them space to destroy. It is truly biblical what is going on. It is something that I really think absent divine intervention, there really is no non-spiritual solution to everything that is going on in this country now. And we're going to talk about why there is no political solution. Because unfortunately, this president is out to lunch. He incites the left as if he's going to implement our policies, but then he doesn't. And he stands down. And he puts people in the White House like Kushner and Brooke Rollins that pander and pander and pander to criminals. And have done so throughout this administration. There's one central point That everyone is missing. That everyone is missing. As we watch churches in our nation's capital right across from the White House get burnt down with no intervention. As we have 60 Secret Service injured at a riot right at the White House, 11 taken to the hospital, President rushed into the bunker. No reaction. We have a federal agent killed, one seriously injured in Oakland, assassinated We had police officers killed in North Dakota, of all places. Never heard about that, I'm sure. We've had people, mainly white. Now, to me, race doesn't matter, and that's going to be the central theme that we're going to talk about today, but I'll explain why why, why I'm mentioning that. Dragged out of their cars, beaten, someone appears to have been set on fire and burnt alive in somewhere in Minneapolis. So this is a new, a new trend now where um, there's now a right for them to block traffic. And then if you happen to be unlucky enough to drive into it, <laughs> you're confronted with the following choice. Either you step on it and have to run one of them over, which you really don't want to do. Or you stop in deference to them and get beaten, the windows smashed, dragged out of your car and beaten. And yet there is no intervention. There's no intervention. Let me ask you a question to kind of frame this and kick this off today. And we're going to have Heather McDonald on to discuss some truth bombs about what's truly going on in America. But had the lockdown protests, patriots, Miniman, had you guys, which you never would have done, but had you taken it to this level, anywhere near this level, do you How many minutes or hours do you think such looting arson beatings would go on before it was swiftly put down with deadly force? Yeah, I, I think you know where I'm headed. One minute, two minutes. They would have shot to kill early and often. Why is that not happening now? I mean, have you ever thought? My my sister asked me this. She said, Aren't the Secret Service supposed to be like the top notch dudes? How do they get beaten up by them and taken to the hospital? I mean, I I, I was floored. I was like, Okay, yeah, there's a protest at the White House. Come on. Like, nothing's going to happen there. And then I saw like the president was taken to the bunker. Maybe that's standard procedure. I don't know. But what is clear and is not standard is that 11 Secret Service agents were taken to the hospital. And I was thinking, how could that have ever gotten that far that it wasn't deterred and put down, that that could actually happen and literally endanger our national security like that? And there's an answer to that. Martin Luther King dreamt of a day in a very different America at a very different time Where all men would be created equal, would be, well, they are are created equal, but would be treated equally based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Very simple proposition. Every human being is created in God's image. We are all equal. We have equal inalienable rights, equal access to justice. What he never envisioned was what is undergirding what is going on today. And it's not just the left and the media, but it's there in a very soft way among many of my colleagues in so-called conservative media that are too scared and they join in in the pandering. And in order to frame this, let me give you a little bit of an analogy. So I'm going through a little bit of a difficult time with some of my kids, and as I'm sure many of you are who have your kids home indefinitely. They're fighting with each other and everything. And my 10-year-old had... Tough time coming to grips with what he thought was unequal treatment of him and our five year old. And I, I, you know, I tried to explain to him obviously that a five year old's brain is very different. We have lower expectations for him, less responsibility, but less privileges too. And I explained to him all the things I would do with him as opposed to the five year old, Zach. And you know it was a slow process to get him to understand that. Well, you know he gets away with this. We like basically he was saying we molly coddle him, and and this is a common you know issue that older kids have have to deal with, but they're not quite old enough to understand the difference. It's not like there's a ten or fifteen year gap. It's a five year gap, and you know it it's kind of like any five year old. Oh, that's cute. Oh yeah, you get to have a tantrum. It's cute. Um, (laughs) you, you get treated differently anytime you do something good, even though it's not that great, we blow it up like, yay, yay, coochie, 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 you know what I mean? And, and when you do something bad, it's like, yeah, it's not your fault. We make excuses, but we all understand that because you're actually not equal. You're created equal under God at birth, but given your age, you act differently and you are treated differently. That is exactly what is going on in this country and has been for quite some time. With regard to race and blacks and whites. And what I never understood is I don't understand why so many of my conservative colleagues th- th- think this way. Like, oh, you see, it's the white Antifa people. The whites are doing this like they have to find a way to excuse it. They have valid grievances. OK, you, you shouldn't burn things down, but, but, but they have valid grievances. No, you don't. And to treat people that way, you are the racist. That is the ultimate soft bigotry of low expectations. I'm sorry. Either they are animals or they're human beings. My view is that they are human beings. And there's two things. Number one, number one, two premises. Number one, that they are treating everything as racial groups. Rather than judging people as individuals, which we all believe. You judge people as individuals we are judging people as groups. Oh, so a cop happened to wrongly step on a guy's neck and kill him and he happened to be white and the guy the the victim in this case was black. So therefore it was racially motivated, which first of all is a premise we really don't see. There's one thing to say it was unjust and the you know hang the guy, which I'm all for just pending the outcome of a trial. I'm all, I'm all for that. But Another thing to say it's racially motivated, you make it about race. So it's about all black people have a grievance against all police or all white people. That is, in its sense, what even like Marco Rubio and Tim Scott and all these phony conservative commentators, much less the formal left, are making. That that it's like they have a valid grievance. Of course, we're not condoning the violence, but you have valid grievance. But that is actually legitimizing it and fueling it. And it's wrong because people aren't groups. Not every black is connected to George Floyd and has a right to have a grievance over that more than anyone else. And not every policeman or every white is responsible for that more than the individual who did that. Okay, I mean, that, that, that is the number one basic principle. We are individuals and we get judged as individuals. But number two is once you do make it a racial thing, then aren't we all equal? And why is it that every time There is a black grievance. It's somehow made like, oh, yeah, we we grieve with you. Well, if that's true, what about all the white people that are randomly being beaten and pulled out of their cars that had nothing to do with this or the cops that have have served so honorably and have gone the extra leg to be patient in some of these communities and risk their own lives often with underwhelming force, which you don't see about. What did they do wrong? Does that mean that we have grievances and we get to riot now? I I mean, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Think about it. What they are saying is that anytime any black is aggrieved by something a white does, that legitimizes a national discussion over brutality against blacks. So what I'm saying is, so therefore, when it is on the other side, which is 50 times more common... And we're already seeing there are more white casualties from this whole thing. So shouldn't that legitimize a white racial war? Now, I don't believe in that. I don't want that. That is certainly not my view because we judge people as individuals. But what I'm trying to bring out here is according to their view, isn't it the soft bigotry of low expectations that anytime someone of the same color skin has something wrong wrongly done to them, They must go and riot. And that is like almost expected. It's legitimized. And conversely, every time someone black who harms a white, there's no desire that every black person has to kneel on the ground in solidarity like every police officer has to do now. I'm just saying, I mean, if we want to make it equal, because implicit in what they are saying is something extremely dehumanizing, and in my view, the most racist thing of all, is that they are less human than everyone else, they are incapable of controlling themselves, and every bad thing they do needs to be ignored, and any grievance to them needs to be mollycoddled 100 degrees more than anyone else, and that is the same gap in approach that you would treat a 10-year-old Child versus a five-year-old. Isn't that the ultimate inequality? That's my question to you. You know know what this reminds me of? I've said this a lot. A couple years ago, there was a a court case in Michigan. So one of these radical ACLU type of groups uh, took the state legislature to court. After they took away what was called um, automatic party uh, a, a party uh voting so straight ticket voting so in other words you know you let's say you have 20 offices up for election on the ballot everything from congress to senate to sheriff and you have republicans and democrats usually sometimes independents so there was an option at the top to check off a party and it would render the entire ballot straight ticket republican or democrat either way so you know, the Michigan legislature took, you know, just stopped that. Most states don't have that, but a couple do. And I thought it was a good idea for everyone that, you know, just to make people think independently to look at each office and each candidate and, and judge who you want to vote to just give it a couple of seconds of thought rather than just doing straight ticket. If you ultimately want to do that, that's your choice. And you could vote for the same op- the same party for every office. But they took that away. So they they sued in court. And I'm not kidding you. Judge Mark Goldsmith ruled with the plaintiffs in this case, and he said it's unconstitutional. It violates the 14th Amendment and, of course, everything because blacks are not going to know who the Democrats are, and they're not going to know who to vote for, and it's going to cause extra lines, like long lines and voter anomalies. It's almost the exact quote. I'm paraphrasing here. It's going to cause anomalies and longer lines in black precincts. I'm not kidding you. That is what the judge said. So, literally, a, a, a federal judge writes a ruling and says blacks are too stupid to be able to vote and ascertain who the Democrat or Republican is. And therefore, it's going to take longer and it's going to cause more mistakes in black precincts. I mean, you could have said, hey, like it's equal everywhere, you know, in predominantly Republican areas, it will take longer. And no, no, that's not what they said. And somehow that's okay. Somehow in the society we live in, it's okay to say blacks are dumber than everyone else and they need more help. They're disadvantaged, they need more help. They're screwed up, so they have a right to riot. I I don't understand how that is not as virulently bigoted as what the KKK was saying. I just don't understand it. Correct me if I'm wrong here. But this is what is undergirding everything. If this would be anything else, We would never, ever, ever allow it to get this far that they're beating people, killing people, burning churches, even secret service members are really like waiting to the last minute to use any force and risking their own lives. We would never do that. I mean, everyone knows they're no no business, you know. I once had a border agent who told me he walked up to a Secret Service agent and said, and literally showed him his badge and said, Hey, I'm a border agent. I really appreciate what you guys are going through now um, with law enforcement under assault. This is maybe a year or two ago. And the guy was like very standoffish, like, step back, like, Hey, get away from me. You know, they're, they're, they're no nonsense. How does creating a double standard of low expectations? How is that treating people equal? How is that respecting African-Americans? And another thing, getting back to Trump, that tweets about getting tough and then doesn't do anything to secure his own White House, after the first night of 11 Secret Service agents getting getting injured, 60 of them, 11 taken to the hospital, and they knew this would happen again in D.C., to, to not invoke the Insurrection Act of 1807, which is under the Constitution, Article 4, Section 4, The federal government does have the the power to put down insurrection. I don't want to hear this state's rights business. We never apply it when it's appropriate. And states don't have rights. They have powers. But the federal government has certain powers too. And this needs to be put down. But at least in the capital city, which is officially run by the feds, they have a D.C. government, but that's all subject to veto from Congress at least send the Marines in to D.C. to secure a perimeter around at least the White House and Capitol? No. Nothing. Why? Because Jared Kushner and Brooke Rollins, the people that got this man to deviate from his promise of law and order, those folks, they told him, oh, you're going to lose the black, we're trying to get more of the black vote. I mean, isn't that disgusting? Aside from everything else, the implication of that is that every black supports rioting, which is retarded because if your whole goal is to get 5% more of the vote, who are those 5% that would be reachable? Is it going to be the the looters and the rioters? No. It's going to be the working professionals, the law-abiding blacks, which is the overwhelming majority of them. To go and ignore... The the sickening culture of violence among a section of inner city African-Americans, as I say all the time, harms everyone, but it harms them the most. And that's the thing. We don't need national discussions over race because you do the time that you do the crime, you do the time. If that means a cop doing the crime, he does the time. If it means a civilian who's white, he does the time. If it's a civilian who's black, he does the same time. This has nothing to do with George Floyd, as we mentioned. Because crime and violence in Minneapolis and many other places, as we have chronicled, has been going up for so, so long. The last few years. That's where it is. 67,000 criminals released just the last few months. Hundreds of thousands released the last couple of years. Remember, only a certain amount are professional in committing crimes. A lot of the real professional organizing here How much do you want to bet? So much of it is by these repeat offenders that were released. That's the story here. It's a lack of deterrent. It has nothing to do with, oh, they have grievances. Oh no. Or, or like even some of my like some of these conservative writers are saying, oh, it's the lockdowns that took away their jobs and locked them up. Well, what's funny is it's a lot of the same people that actually were never so much against the lockdown. Some of them I see positing this even supported the lockdowns, but again, the conservative racial pandering, ooh, no, no, let's make excuses. No! We're mad as hell from the lockdowns. Do we go and beat other people and destroy other people's businesses? The civil disobedience we were pushing was simply to open your business and serve customers. We don't respond that way. Why should we expect it from them? The only answer to that is that you think they are less human than us. That is the ultimate form of racism. All of you have friends, even relatives, associates, coworkers who who their color of their skin happens to be black. You don't view them differently, you don't treat them differently. They're just like us. They're family people like everyone else. They work like everyone else. There's no reason why these people who happen to be of that skin color can't be the same. They're not born differently. They're born in the image of God. I'm, just, I'm, I'm sick of the, low, the, the, the soft bigotry of low expectations. It's hard bigotry, actually. But Trump has bought, in, bought into this racial pandering. He used to say the opposite. All the time, he recognized this. All the time. But we see that Jared Kushner is pushing him off the cliff. Trump ran on all this in his acceptance speech. America, this was at the Cleveland Convention, August, August of um, 2016. Americans watching this address tonight have seen recent images of violence in our streets and chaos in our communities. Many have witnessed this violence personally. Some have been its victims. I have a message for all of you. The crime and violence that today afflicts our nation will soon, and I mean very soon, come to an end. We will be a country of generosity and warmth, but we will also be a country of law and order. Our convention occurs at a moment of crisis for our nation. The attacks on our police and and the terrorism in our cities threaten our very way of life. Any politician who does not grasp this danger is not fit to lead our country. The most basic duty of government is to defend the lives of its own citizens. Any government that fails to do so is a government unworthy to lead. It is finally time for a straightforward assessment of the state of our nation. On and on and on. I, I could quote to you a hundred quotes from Trump on Law and Order. Why is it that the man who promises one thing does the opposite? We had the worst border crisis under Trump. We had the worst suspension of civil liberties and crushing of our economy under Trump. We had the worst riots now under Trump. I'm sick of the excuses. I'm sick of the tweeting. Act or lead or get out of the way so we could get a different nominee. We didn't vote for Jared Kushner and the Koch brothers, Brooke Rollins. You know, what's funny. Speaking of the Koch brothers, Cato Institute had their office vandalized by the by the um, rioters, the terrorists, and people are putting it on Twitter. Don't they know? Don't they know that Cato has written so many papers in favor of the incarceration? <laughs> I was laughing. Yeah, buddy. You can't appease them. You can't appease your way into peace. You can only deter your way there. And that's the central thing. The three problems we have in this era. Number one, we treat people as groups, racial groups, rather than as individuals, justice and law and order. Number two, we treat those two races unequally. In the exact opposite way the media suggests. And number three, there's no deterrent. This has been a long-term problem that veterans of this program understand. I've been covering it for the entire decade. That we have undone every single thing from the aggressive policing. And again, it doesn't mean doing things wrong like in the case in Minneapolis. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Longer sentencing. I mean, every step of the way, criminals are getting off. They're not being deterred. That is the big story here. This doesn't just bust out, you know, so many people being so violent because of this. No, it was going on all the time. We chronicle it every day on this show while everyone ignores it. Suddenly, these phony conservatives are like, oh, this is really bad. We need a discussion about race. No, we need a discussion about crime and deterrent. This is just a good excuse. So they had something to light the fuse. Anyone who followed Minneapolis the last number of years knows that crime has been soaring. Remember, we have gone 30 years, record of 25 years. low crime, low crime, low crime. And now plays like St. Paul are at record murders. We've re- reversed the trend in just a couple years. The velocity is so quick. the incarceration rate is the lowest lowest it's been in 30 years, and that's as of 2018 you account for the jailbreak the last two years? I mean, you're getting into when Reagan embarked on this. It's just utterly disgusting. But I want to get to our guest. So, friends, I want to remind you of a quote from Ronald Reagan, July 31st, 1968, right at the Republican convention that year in Miami. Quote, We must reject the idea that every time a law is broken, Society is guilty rather than the law breaker. It is time to restore the American precept that each individual is accountable for his actions. There's nobody in my mind who's been writing about self-accountability, about our broken criminal justice system, about the war on cops, than Heather McDonald. We've had her on the show before. Terrific insights. If you don't have her book, War on Cops, boy, do you need to get that now. She is a senior fellow at the manhattan institute she also writes at city journal um some terrific articles you might want to check that out just google her name and you could see all of her articles she has a new one out darkness falls heather thanks so much for joining us in this great time apparel and darkness
1: well thank you so much daniel and you've been bringing us light like nobody else has so it's great to be with you again
0: Sure. Well, let's try to open up the light a little bit more. Um, I want to get right to the heart of this, right to the heart of this. If you look even at some conservative commentators and what they are suggesting, implicit in their premise is basically that, look, there is a broad, legitimate grievance of African-Americans being underserved by the justice system, being abused by police in a ubiquitous way. This is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, it's just that it's 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 kind of overboard to go drag people out of cars and beat them and burn things down. Please stop doing that. But other than that, uh, you have a valid grievance. Why is that premise wrong?
1: It's wrong because decades of studies have shown that there is no systemic bias in the criminal justice system. Uh, This is not me saying this. This is liberal. criminologists criminologists like Robert Sampson and Michael Tonry who have said that the admitted over-representation of blacks in prison is due to one thing and one thing only, which is the much higher rates of criminal offending. Uh, As far as the police and, you know, we're getting now a very rapid Uh, reinvigoration of the Black Lives Matter narrative that had gone a little bit into abeyance during Trump because the media was so obsessed on taking him out. But the idea that we're living through an epidemic of racially biased police shootings of black men is just as ludicrous. Uh, Last year, according to the Washington Post's classifications of police killings, uh... there was a thousand people killed by the cops that's out of about three hundred and seventy five million civilian contacts the cops have each year that a thousand number has been stable for since twenty fifteen at least about a quarter of those uh... thousand victims are black which is very underrepresented compared to what black crime rates would predict nearly all of those 1,000 victims were armed and dangerous. But here's the real thing, Daniel. When you look at the Washington Post's category of unarmed victims, uh, and that is very liberally defined uh, to be unarmed, you can be grabbing an officer's gun with the hope of shooting him with it, and if it's not your gun, you'll be considered unarmed. There were nine unarmed blacks killed in 2019. That's out of a population of about 42 million and out of a homicide victim population of about 7,500. So that's 0.1% of all blacks who have been killed by homicide last year. Uh, police shootings are not the problem in the black community, black crime is.
0: And I think you make a very interesting point when you talk about 370 million contacts between police and them, that if the underlying problem is a pervasive crime wave in inner cities, particularly among inner city blacks, then by definition, every interaction or most interactions will be with them, legitimate, justified interactions. And then the rare case of unjustified police actions, statistically, you're going to have a few with them so um you're you're saying this George Floyd narrative is actually pretty rare, and I think it's interesting also you you talk about those that are unarmed. Well, let's look at the Ferguson case officially, the guy was unarmed he was a very big, strong guy that was beating the cop to death, so that would be included in the Washington Post database. Um, data set of those unarmed blacks who wound up being shot by police but that's not or should not be in the same pile as the George Floyd situation um, but my problem that I'm seeing is that there is this myopic focus of how every time you have one of these incidents which unfortunately are bound to happen in any system it is transmogrified into the entirety of of our criminal justice system. It represents and reflects our system in, in its entirety. And then they ignore everything on the other side of the ledger. So if it is a legitimate grievance for people to riot simply because they're of the same race of a victim in this case, well then wouldn't it follow that it's a legitimate um, response for everyone who's white to riot from the several people we have seen beaten and killed as a result of the riots.
1: Well, that's absolutely right, and it turns out uh, when you look at interracial violence between blacks and whites, so if you look at the entire universe of all uh, interracial crimes, whether it's white on black or black on white, uh, blacks commit 85.5% of all interracial violent victimizations. That's excluding homicide because this is from the... Uh, National Victimization Crime Survey, so this is what people tell the Bureau of Justice Statistics. So if you've been killed, you can't report on your on your criminal victimization, but everything else comes in so uh, the idea that we're in some kind of white supremacy system, whereas Tanahisi Coates would tell us uh, the whole objective of the American founding and ever for the last four hundred years has been to destroy the black body. That's not the case. I mean, there's und- undeniably there was horrible racial violence in this country and, and segregation, and the police were a, a-, a arm of-, of of that brutal racism. But the policing has has changed radically in the last 30, 40 years. It has become much more professional. The the reason that cops are in black neighborhoods is because the data tells them that's where crime is happening and because the law-abiding residents of those communities beg for their police presence.
0: Mm. And that's and that's the biggest thing that I find so insulting um, from the implication of their position, is that most blacks believe in rioting and looting and a lack of self-responsibility. And in fact, they're the ones harmed by this more than anyone. It, it just... And the other the other interesting thing here is, again, even my own colleagues, they, they're they using the word racial injustice. I'm, I'm seeing this all the time. They call themselves conservatives. Some elected Republicans are speaking that way. And while it appears what this cop did, and maybe several with him, was certainly unjustified, I don't see where there's an evidence of racial animus. Like you said, I mean, that's naturally, unfortunately, where they are most often. By the same token, it would mean that every time a black kills or maims someone who is white, which is... Uh, exponentially more common, that would be racially motivated, which as we know, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. That's not the point. The point is deterrent. So doesn't this really boil down to to the issue of deterrent? That there is a lack of deterrent, which is why St. Paul experienced record murders last year, long before this, which is why a lot of cities are seeing an increase in crime after 20 years of a drop in crime. And my concern is that they want to use this in order to justify um, you know, making our criminal justice system even more lax. When in fact, isn't that really what's fueling this violence?
1: Well, for sure, uh, there's a lot of Black Lives Matter chapters have actually said they believe in disbanding the police entirely. Uh, New York City, the council wants to defund the police and. Uh, I wish the police would take them at their word 100% and just say, fine, we're pulling out. You police your own communities. If you think we're so abusive and you can do it better, let's have a natural experiment and test it. What we did see after the Ferguson riots uh, in 2015 and then the Baltimore riots, the Freddie Gray riots, uh, was, there was uh, informal depolicing. Cops didn't get out of their cars to make those voluntary, discretionary, proactive stops. And you saw in 2015 and 2016 uh, the largest two-year increase in homicide in 50 years, the victims being overwhelmingly black. Another 2,000 blacks were killed. Uh, so, yes, when the cops back off, uh, the people who suffer are the law-abiding who just want to be able to go to the, their grocery store, the post office, or pick up their Social Security check without having to walk through an open uh, drug market. Uh,
0: look, and, and you know I lived right outside of Baltimore and, and lived this and have lived this the last few years. Um, it has spilled over into the suburbs, the carjackings, the beatings. It's all over the place because the police have – basically taking a hands-off approach. But in terms of the homicides, almost all of the victims have been black record homicides in both Baltimore City and Baltimore County as of last year. So, I mean, that that's the dirty little secret that I think a lot of people don't realize. Oh, it's all the cops. The cops did this. Well, you could abolish the cops, and you certainly won't abolish the problem. It will get even worse, which leads me to the next issue that in terms of civilians... You know, I have a lot of libertarian friends that don't like the cops. Oh, these big government people. And unfortunately, with this whole lockdown business, and I know you agree with me on the lockdowns and how absurd it is. And cops were forced into enforcing, frankly, unconstitutional and illogical edicts. Um, So, you know, a lot of people are upset at the cops, um, rightfully or wrongfully. But my point is, what about civilians? So the problem I'm seeing is that you're basically confronted with this reality. So let's put the cops aside. Now that we don't believe in individual responsibility in law and order and justice, it's all this racial, you know, grievances that that the media is promulgating. If you are particularly if you are white and you are confronted with a mob and we're seeing this with all the cars, well here's your thing. You either have to run through it and risk killing someone which you don't want to do or you stop and you suffer a beating or if you're armed, you try to shoot them. And that's certainly not police brutality. That's self-defense from a civilian. But then they'll riot over that. So, I mean, where is your recourse and how do we how do we protect ourselves?
1: Well, the government has been failing for the last three months. And they're it's basically going to put cities out of existence First, we have these absurd overreaction to the coronavirus with government shutting down businesses. The city's social distancing rules that are going to be, in fact, are going to make it impossible to reopen. They've been scaring the hell out of people for no good reason, not telling the truth about the lack, absolute lack of outdoor viral transmission absent very, very close quarters and prolonged exposure. Uh, And and so these businesses have been forced into a government-induced coma, and now you have the government failing to protect cities, failing to protect businesses because they're so worried about black rage. And this is going to be it. I mean, any business that can is going to flee to the suburbs, uh, and any resident who can is going to flee to the suburbs. So it is the absolute primary obligation of government to protect not just life but investment, property, the the ability of somebody who has put his life savings, his blood, sweat, and tears into building a business to protect that from the lust of destruction that we are seeing now that has been unleashed upon the land uh, without any virtually no effort initially on the government 's part to stop it uh, and and w- w- anarchy is is spreading before our eyes. I, you know civilization is not possible when you allow the human instinct for for destruction, looting, and rampage to run riot, which is what we 're seeing now and I am so sick of the failure of the media to call these riots unrest is the most they move towards but usually it's protest including on fox news uh this is it's it's worse than riots it is mayhem it is bloodlust
0: bloodlust i mean we're seeing that with the beatings just the random beatings people that had nothing to do with george floyd's uh death and and the irony is i mean we're seeing swift very swift justice there unlike when many um citizens are victimized again often by african americans and they do not see justice through um we have travesty of justice every day which is why i wanted to ask you from your experience following crime so closely for so many years i I, there's no way of knowing this but what is your best estimate of how much of the career criminals are driving some of this violence. We had 67,000 at a minimum who were released from jail and prison from the coronavirus jailbreak just since March. God knows how many hundreds of thousands released over the last number of years um, We're at the incarceration rate uh, for, for African Americans is the lowest it's been in jail since 1990, and that was as of 2018. Um, how much of this is being driven by uh career criminals that likely were let out of jail.
1: Well, it'd be great to know and of course the police have made so few arrests that we we probably won't, but it's it's certainly a a, a major coalition out there but you know these are people who are, break into buildings anyway. I mean the restaurants in my neighborhood have been broken into before this happened. So if you can, you know, loot with impunity, I wouldn't see why you'd stay safely, socially distanced at home. I'm sure it is an absolute uh, carnival out there of the previously criminal and now the currently criminal.
0: So, so what does a government reaction look like? I mean, we saw how they allowed it to spiral out of control to the extent that 11 Secret Service agents evidently were hospitalized. And then despite that, what happened Saturday night, and they knew it was going to come again, we saw last night in D.C., Two blocks away from the White House, this is federal, you know, federally controlled area, at least officially, D.C. is under the auspices of the federal government, and yet they you know, set fire to St. John's Church. What, do you believe the military needs to be sent in?
1: They've got to do something, and I've heard an argument that that would just inflame people more. Uh, and, you know, that there's no question. It, it could well bring people out because the media is so primed to blame everything on Trump. But the fact of the matter is, at some point, you, you can't worry about what the consequences are. The, the imperative right now is to maintain order. You know, unfortunately, there's limits to what you can do. I guess – I don't know how many people we have. How many stores can you surround? You can't use live ammo <laughs> – which does deny people due process of the law. Uh, if, if, so what have you got? You've got tear gas and rubber bullets. Uh, maybe we need more of that. I'm not an expert in riot control. Uh, you know, there's a there's a part of me that thinks if you knew that for sure that you had a looter, uh, there should be swift justice right on the spot. But that's obviously simply not feasible, and that would bring even more people out onto the streets. So, the lesson here is you don't let this get out of control because once it does, you've got very few options that are good that are remaining to you.
0: Final question. I know you've got to run to another interview. Um, where do you think this ends? Do you lend any credence to the threats from Antifa that this will spread to the suburbs? And what would be the consequences of that?
1: Well, uh, you may have a lot more self-defense going on. Uh, and, and maybe in one sense it would be good because you'd get more people understanding how serious this is and, and demanding uh, a government response because right now people are sheltered. But, uh, you know, there's going to be a, an exodus from the cities. This is completely unsustainable.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. That was Heather McDonald. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we will definitely be calling you again as this unfolds uh, to get your sagacious advice. Folks, War on Cops, make sure you get the book and as well as some of Heather's other books. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. Take care.